Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to 1 Timothy 6.12 today. I want to uh, begin a new series. You know, the name of the church is Faith Builders. And the name of the fellowship is Faith Builders. And so it stands to reason that you're going to hear quite a bit about faith. And uh, we've been dealing with some other subjects, and, and, and we will. I mean, because we obviously can't just focus on one thing. But uh, we'll always come back and, and look at faith. And I want to start, I believe it's a, a series. Uh, all the Lord's been talking to me about, I don't know how we could get it into one message. We, we won't try. Uh, a series, Understanding How to Fight the Fight of Faith. Understanding How to Fight the Fight of Faith. Because there's no more, um, on, on, on both Sides, there's, there's no more undervalued subject in, in many churches. And then there's, like Brother Hagin said, there's a ditch on the other side of the road because, uh, you know, there's people that take faith and get off into effervescence with it and, and, and just do goofy things. Well, the answer's in the middle. Amen. The answer's in the middle. The fight of faith, understanding how to fight the fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12, very familiar verse where the Apostle Paul was talking to the young pastor, Timothy. And uh, he said to him, after exhorting him, uh, you know, to stay with the word, uh, not to get into arguments with people. He said in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you're called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, the verb for fight in uh, both instances, all right, the verb for fight is in the present tense imperative mode and it commands a continuous action. Present tense imperative mode commands a continuous action. So it means something like this. Every day is a faith day. <laughs> All right? It, it, it means that you get up every day and you use your faith. All right? That, that's what the word fight means. So it's, and, and now it can, it can, of course, uh, uh, the second word fight, there, fight, in other words, continuous action. The second word means a struggle or contest. Now, this is something you can look up yourself. It means a struggle or a contest, but it also means a place of assembly, especially an assembly met to see the games, the place of contest, the, the arena or the stadium. All right? So what this is doing is it's telling us what we do. We fight the fight of faith, but it tells us the location that we're to stay in faith all right when so, when someone says you know uh and and i mean i i don't i don't think I've, i don't think i've watched a boxing match in multitude of years but someone will say hey uh, uh let's let's go to the fights let's go to the ball game right well they're 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 referring to the stadium to the arena where the ball game's going to be held and paul tells timothy you need to fight you need to enter into this challenge you need to enter into this contest but keep it in the location of faith. Amen. Keep your fight of faith in faith. Because it's not a fight for faith, it's a fight of faith. So the location, where is the sphere of activity? For the believer, in faith. Right? Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said, you need to examine yourself and see if you be in the faith. 
right? And so the location that I'm to fight is in the location of faith. The location of our fight is faith. So if we are to fight the good fight of faith, I have to understand that the fight I'm in is a fight of faith. All right? If, if you think about this phrase, for instance, you've heard this before, where they're having a war of words. A war of words. What does that mean? They're using words to attack each other. We fight the fight of faith. We use our faith in the challenge that we're engaged in. Amen. Hallelujah. We're in a fight of faith. Faith is what we use in this fight. Now, he says fight the good fight. And uh, that's interesting because I've, I've heard over and over again, I've heard people I respect say it, and, and I don't disagree with it at all. But they say, well, what's a good fight? Well, a good fight's any fight you win. Well, yeah, that's right. It is. I mean, it, it is. That's a simple explanation. And Jesus won the battle for us. But this word good is defined as not just having won. It's defined as beautiful. Or beautiful to look at. Or excellent. In other words, when you see somebody that knows what they're doing with their faith, it's beautiful to look at. Because they know what they're doing. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? There, 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 there are things that you can look at in the natural world. People that are talented. And it's just something that's beautiful to look at. And, and they know what they're doing. When, when you watch an artist and he's painting a picture and that brush is not just a tool to him, it's an extension of himself. And, and it looks like it's so easy to do. It's just beautiful to watch. Amen. So when you see somebody that knows what they're doing with their faith, it's excellent to behold. It's beautiful to watch. Amen. Because when, when you understand how to fight the fight of faith, the struggle is left off of it. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about the challenge or engaging in the contest. You're not struggling because your technique is good. Right? And if your technique is good, it alleviates the struggle. Amen. When I was a boy growing up, of course, in West Texas... And uh, uh, every year, we would have to, uh, we would have to uh, uh, buck bales, bales of hay, grass bales, alfalfa bales. Well, alfalfa was always heavier than the grass bales. Uh, grass is lighter than alfalfa. Well, there's a method to throwing bales of hay. And you can watch people that didn't know what they, they were doing. They'd re- run out there and grab it, and they were just struggling with it. But, but eventually you learn. You, you roll it up on your knee and you can take your knee and pull it up on your chest and throw it up on the truck. And you watch somebody that knows what they're doing and it just looks simple. It just looks easy because their technique was good. There's no loss of motion. There's no wasted motion. In the fight of faith, you can't allow yourself to be drawn into things that are going to waste your energy and waste your motion you got to keep your technique good. you got to stay focused on the main thing. Because, I'm going to say this more than once throughout this series, because the enemy, the enemy wants to get you distracted and get you pulled off into something. All right? Get you pulled over into something that will get your focus. You might just get up one day, you might get up one day and you might say, you know, I just don't feel like myself today. I just kind of feel off. L- listen, don't, don't, don't fail to pay attention to that. Because if it doesn't seem right, it isn't right. Right? And what do you got to start doing right then? Use your faith. Enter into the contest of faith. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not, no, in the name of Jesus. Whether it's casting down an imagination, whatever it may be, I've got to enter in at that moment to the fight of faith. Because it's a fight of faith. Hallelujah. Do you see this? The Roost Bible says, Be constantly engaging in the contest of faith 
which contest is marked by its beauty of technique. Marked by its beauty of technique. Now, we talked about the focus there for a moment. Many times when uh, believers get their focus on the fight, they get it off their technique. All right? You, you've got to be focused on, am I doing what I need to do? Yeah, but I'm in the middle of a fight. I, I understand. But the answer to getting out of that and conquering that is, are you doing what you need to be doing? Hallelujah. As, as a believer, you don't just close your eyes and swing. Right? Just hope I hit something. Right? That's, amen. That's what Paul said. He said, I fight certainly. I run certainly. Not as one that beateth the air. I'm not just throwing punches at nothing. I've got an intended target. Amen. Now, the, the battle can be, is real. The challenge is real. The pressure is real. But why does the pressure come? Move you away from the Word. It moves you away from faith. Right? Your job is keep your focus on the answer. Yeah, but everything's going wrong. Well, number one, everything isn't going wrong. It's impossible for everything to go wrong. Even when it seems like everything's going wrong, you can find something that's going right. But, but, but what do I do? I stay focused on what I know it's going to take to right the ship. Am I helping you? Your, your technique, ha, hallelujah, is those technical details, basic movements that are used. Your technique. Hallelujah. You know, you, you would think that when you watch a, a track athlete, you know, that he's just out there running. There are so many hours put into technique. How you lift your, your legs. You know, I, I, I run long distances and I'm by no means elite. But the point is, 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 is I mean, they, they talk about shoulder position, elbow position, head position, knee position. I thought it was just running. <laughs> right? But it's not. It's technique. Because there's a lot of wasted motion that people go through. Amen. Your technique in any given area is your foundation. It's your foundation. If your technique's shaky, your performance will be shaky. Amen. When, when, my, when my son was, was my oldest son, when uh, he was younger, uh, he wanted to, uh, to, to get into jujitsu. All right? He wanted to, to practice jujitsu. And so he and I went, and I just have the personality. You know, if I'm going to do something, you, you don't, listen, you don't want to play like Monopoly with me or <laughs> any game. All right? Because whether or not you know it, we're competing. You know, when I'm running through the park and I run up next to a guy, I'm like, hey, how you doing? He don't know it, but we're racing. We're racing. You know, and if he speeds up, I'm going to speed up. <laughs> if I feel like I can't win, I'll just find a trail to go off the other way. <laughs> Anyhow, amen. But, but, but my, just my personality was you, you give it 100%, and so wouldn't you know it, eventually I became the assistant uh, sensei. And, uh, but I'm saying this for a reason. The, the key there that was drummed in all the time was technique. 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 Short, fluid, quick movements. Technique. Don't waste any motion. Because if, 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 if you're engaged in that contest and you're trying to get away from someone or you're trying to disable that person, the last thing you want is a lot of technique that's out here where they can grab an arm or grab a leg or grab a shoulder because now you're in trouble. You see what I'm saying? Technique. And so, and so everybody liked to spar, everybody liked to be able to throw one another and punch the bag, but we spent a lot of time huh, in our stance 
punch in the air getting our technique right. Are you following me? It's the same thing with the fight of faith. You've got to spend time getting your technique solid, getting your words solid, getting your thoughts solid. Because when the enemy attacks your mind, the last thing you want is some thought out there that's flailing its arm and the enemy can grab it and get an inroad into your life. Amen. Hallelujah. Do do you see what I'm saying? What, What we're dealing with in the world today is a spirit of fear. We're dealing with seeds of fear. That came up. Back in April of last year, we were here on, uh, I think it was Easter Sunday morning, and we were praying. Pastor Michelle was leading in prayer, and I've still got the prayer printed out. And one of the things that she began to call for was a, 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 a death to the harvest of the seeds of fear that have been sown. And she was saying that back in April. And the Lord keeps bringing us back to that. And so you've got a lot of people, not you, because you're here, you know, you're, you're faith builders, but you've got a lot of people, people you know, people I know, believers, unbelievers, that they're out there and fear has them bound, has grabbed a hold of them, and they don't even really know why they're afraid. But here's the thing, the enemy doesn't have to have you know why you're afraid to make you afraid. But if you, if you stick an arm out there and let him grab you, it's just a period of a matter of time before he accomplishes his task. Amen. So your technique. So a good fight is not just one that you win, but where the technique was precise and productive. Amen. Now, let's look at some principles. We've got one today of how to fight the fight of faith. What are some governing principles? Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And verse 1. Oh, hallelujah. And it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith... There, faith is the Greek word pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, and it basically means the conviction of the truth of anything or being convinced that something is true. This is the foundation, all right? That's the foundation of proper faith technique. You have to train until you're completely convinced that what God said will happen is true. Amen. Amen. Convinced that what God said would happen or what God had promised is true. Convinced. Have that conviction. The the problem with a lot of believers is they're not convinced they'll win. Now, now we we hear that some, but it is is a very real issue. And... uh, you know, I wrote the, bird, the, the book, First Words Matter, Last Words Stand. But I, I believe I, I, I'm, I, I need to write a book about first thoughts. Because that's where he starts. Trying to get you to agree with it. The first thought that comes into your mind, if you're fighting the fight of faith, you've got to stop and analyze that thought in light of what the Word says. Amen. See, faith, faith is not a sprint. Faith is, according to Scripture, faith is something that you will use the whole time you're on this earth. Faith is something that you're going to use when you're in heaven. But here's the thing. I've got to stop. When the thought comes, I've got to stop and analyze it in light of what God said. Ever what it may be. The enemy can bring in any, any thought that you could think of. Well, you're not going to make it. You're going to go under. Now, wait. Stop and analyze that in light of the Word of God. And, and here's what I, I don't want you to do as believers. And, and, and it's just simply this. You know, very often we'll hear things like that. Well, I would never do that. Now, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you may or may not. But, but here's the thing. Nobody knows what you do behind closed doors but you and God. But the evidence of what you're doing behind closed doors will show up outside. 
It'll show up. Amen. And so I've got to, if my foundation is going to be strong, when that thought comes, I've got to stop it, grab it, get a hold of it, and bring it into captivity to the Word of God. Wait a minute. This is what the Word says. Right? What am I doing right then? I'm engaging in the fight of faith. I'm not just grabbing a thought. I'm not just thinking a good thought. I am engaging myself in the thought of the, the fight of faith. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm careful with how I say these things, so, so please don't misunderstand me. I know people that if they feel a symptom in their body, the first thought is go to the doctor. Now, I'm going to be very plain. There's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. I'm not saying that's wrong, but think about this. I've got to get to the place where the first thought is, what does the Word say? Take my healing, take my healing dose before I ever go to the doctor. I'm not telling you not to go to the doctor. I'm telling you to take your healing inoculation, take your word vaccination before you ever go to the doctor. Why? Because you might go to the doctor and hear something you don't want to hear. And you have to have that stand already made. Are you following me? Hallelujah. And so a lot of believers problem is they're not convinced that they'll win. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm convinced that I'll win. Tell them, say, I'm a believer and I'm convinced that I'll win. Now that's important. I have to be convinced, convicted. I have to be sure. The NIV says faith is being sure. Hallelujah. And so when they encounter opposition, their technique is faulty. Now notice, I didn't say they didn't have faith. I said their operation of their faith was faulty. See, the question always comes up with people. Well, that guy failed. Did he have faith? I don't think that's always the proper question. Did he use his faith correctly? Amen. You know, there's a difference between having a firearm and being trained to use a firearm. I don't want to be around anybody that's not been trained to use a firearm. <laughs> you tell me you're packing, the first thing I want to know is where you're training. Because <laughs> if I didn't see you come in the room, I'm going to duck. Right? So is the, is the technique faulty? Amen. Romans chapter 4. Let's go over there. Romans 4. Thank you, Lord. You know, and, and when you're convinced... People will say, well, how do I know when I'm convinced? Do you remember when you were, wherever you were, church, street corner, wherever you were, when you heard the gospel for the first time and your heart was convicted that you needed to be saved? Well, what had happened right then? Faith came to you that you needed to be born again. Because you're born again by faith. Well, it's the same process in everything. The Holy Spirit will convict your heart or convince your heart that what you're seeing is true. Amen. The first time you read uh, uh, Isaiah 53 and 5 or Philippians 4.19 or you name any, any verse, remember the first time you read it and it just stood up and hit you and you're like, wait a minute, I'm healed. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm, I'm redeemed. Well, what happened? Well, the Bible is written by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Ghost. And when you read it, the, the, the Holy Spirit in the book bore witness with your spirit that that belonged to you. And so when you sense that conviction, that's faith. That's faith. I know I have it. And then nobody can talk you out of it. Nobody can change your mind. I know that I have it. 
You might start out with saying, I know I have it because the Word says it. But you'll end up saying, I know I have it, period. Amen. So Romans 4 and verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh is found? If Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof the glory, but not before God. What saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh, the reward's not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, notice, his faith is counted to him for righteousness. Now, the context here is that, of course, Abraham's faith was counted to him for righteousness. He believed God uh, when he didn't even know anything about God. And God counted it to him for righteousness. Now, look at verse 17. These are familiar verses to us, but it says here, God says uh, concerning Abraham, As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, there's some things to see here is that first of all, God said that to him when he had no children. And God said that to him when his wife was incapable of having children. See, if you looked at it from a human standpoint, it seemed like God kind of painted himself in a corner. Because he made a promise to Abraham and he said, the promise is going to come through Sarah. But Sarah can't have children. Right? And so they they figured out where they messed up with Hagar. And then it was 20 plus years after that. Now Abraham is so old, the Bible says his body's dead. And he's still married to a woman who was never able to have children. And that's when God appeared to him and said, uh, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. Right? Before him whom he believed... That phrase means that he became like unto God who quickeneth the dead, this is what God does, and calls those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope, now it's back talking about Abraham, who against hope, natural human hope, believed in the God kind of hope, that or so that he might become the father of many nations. So now there's a couple things to see here. So notice, he had to keep his confidence up. And he had to keep his confidence up in the face of what? Circumstances that wanted to rob him of his hope. Your circumstance is designed to rob you of your hope. And the Bible says that what Abraham had to do was hope against hope. Well, how do you do that? Well, it's, 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 it's two different words when you look at them in the Greek. One is a natural human hope, and the other is a God hope. One, one is a hope that calls for a consistent, constant expectation of dread. And the other is a hope that calls for a consistent, constant expectation of good. Up till this point, the only hope Abraham had was if God would do something through another person. But God said, that's not how it's going to be. Remember what he said? Oh, that Ishmael would live before you. And God said, look, I'm going to bless him because he's your son. I'm going to make him a great nation. But that's not the promise. If what you're seeing and what you're holding in your life is not what God promised you, don't settle for it. Stay in the fight of faith and keep your hope up because God's going to bring it to you. God's going to change it. Yeah, but I lost over here. I understand, but you're not going to lose the next time. Hallelujah. So he hoped against hope mm, so that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. So notice what he kept his hope in. That which had been spoken. That's what he kept going back to. What was spoken. What's he doing going back to what is spoken? Working on his technique. This is what God said. 
This is what God said. Now, I don't know the conversations. None of us do. But, you know, just by, by, by being natural people and being married, I can see Abraham and Sarah sitting down and Sarah saying, you know, I, you know when's this going to happen? I mean, you know, we're not getting any younger. And I can see Abraham saying, look, I don't know, but God promised. And if God promised, that's what we're going to believe. And I can see her someday saying, come on, honey, you got you to gotta keep your chin up. God's going to do what He said He would do. Hallelujah. Right? Where did he go to get that hope? Back to what God said. What did God say about you? Now there's any number of promises that we can see that God said about us. What did God promise you? What did God say about your healing? What did God say about your victory? What did God say about your family? What did God say about you as a person? What did God say? Keep going back to that. Yeah, but everything is stacked against that. It doesn't matter if everything is stacked against what you're believing, you keep going back to what you believe. Because it's not the, the size of the circumstance, it's what you believe about God. And if I believe what God said, I'm going to keep my hopes going to start growing. Because listen, once you lose hope, you're done. When you lose hope, you're finished. Amen. Amen. Colonel Ravi Reisner, who was, uh, he, he, uh, uh, I'm not even certain if he's still living, but he was a POW in, in Vietnam, and uh, uh, he was in the Hanoi Hilton, and, he's, and he was there for years. And he said the problem was, he said the problem was losing hope. He said because they would put you in that, that, that cell that was like six foot by eight foot, not very big, and he said, he said it was pitch dark, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. And he said, they separated you. You couldn't hear anybody. And it was designed to make you hopeless. And he said, he, said he would take his shirt off or, or the shorts they had given him. He would take it and stuff it in his mouth and just scream at the top of his, of, his, of his lungs just to have some relief. But he made a statement. I'm saying this for a reason. He said, one day I was crawling around the bottom of that cell just hoping maybe I could hear somebody. And he said, I saw the smallest crack. And he said, I, I, I looked out that crack and I could see a blade of grass. And he said, I cannot tell you how much hope that gave me. That there was still something on the other side of this wall that was alive. Amen. Now you may not be in that kind of situation, but there's times you got to look for something to give you hope. And where you look is in the Word of God. In the middle of the fight of faith. There's no guarantee that you will ever not try to feel hopeless. But if you do, you run back to the Word and what God said and get you some hope and stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Hallelujah. See, faith is not the absence of feelings. Well, if I was in faith, I wouldn't feel helpless. That's not in the Bible. Now, now, I'm not minimizing what we talk about our confession. It's not what I'm doing. But there have been times I have been confessing things, and if I was thinking out of my head, I would have been thinking, you're a big old liar. Because there's nothing like that happening. I know you've never been there. Right? But, but what are you confessing? You're confessing the Word. You're confessing the Word out of your spirit. And what happens is you're confessing the word. Hope's coming. Hope's coming. Hope's coming. And so he went to the word and got him some hope. Then verse 19, now notice, and being not weak in faith. Now, why was he not weak in faith? Because he kept going back to the word and strengthening his hope. And the King James says he considered not. His own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. And we're going we're gonna to get to that in just a moment. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. So we see the promise God made. We see the challenge to the promise. The promise was, I made you a father of many nations. What was the challenge? The age of Abraham's body and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So we see the promise and the challenge. Now, 
it says he considered not his own body. Now, many years ago, I was, I was studying this in the Greek, and I saw something. And uh, I, I, I want to make a statement, and, and uh, obviously, if, if, if you believe this way real strongly, I'm, I'm not mad at you. But you'll hear this a lot of times, and people will use it this way, and they'll say, well, you know, you just can't consider the situation. Well, there's times you can't help but consider the situation. Faith is not foolishness. Faith is not blind. Faith is not denial. Amen. If, if, if a person wakes up in the morning and they got an extremely high temperature and they can see it on the thermometer and feel it on their forehead, it is foolishness and presumption to say, I don't have a fever. That's not faith. And you might stagger blindly down the hallway saying you're in faith and we'll come pick you up and take you to the doctor. Because that's foolishness. Amen. When, when, when it says Abraham did not consider his own body now dead, the Greek, the Amplified, the Woos Bible, other, other translations says he did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body. In other words, what he saw didn't affect his faith. Amen. If, if, if he could somehow just not consider it, not look at it, not worry about it, he did not consider the fact that he couldn't father a child in the natural he did not consider that to be a reason God couldn't do what He promised. Amen. It says, neither did He consider that, or excuse me, that He considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead and womb. No unbelief or mistrust made Him waver or doubtingly question the promise of God. But He grew strong and was what? Empowered by faith as He gave praise and glory to God. So there's another, there's another key to victory here. What did he do when he saw his dead body and Sarah unable to have children? It says he gave glory to God for the promise God had made to him. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Romans, one of the things, faith has fruit. And it says one of the fruits of faith is joy and peace and believing. If you got joy and peace and believing, we can ascertain that you're in faith. You may not know why you have joy or peace. Your body may feel like you shouldn't have joy. Your finances may look like you shouldn't have joy. But yet you've got joy. Where is that joy coming from? You have tapped into something by staying in the fight of faith. You've tapped into something that other people can't understand. He gave glory to God. He gave glory to God. And notice, He was empowered by faith as He gave praise and glory to God. As he did it, what happened? He was empowered by faith. Glory to God. I submit to you and you do whatever you want to. I submit to you that it, it came to a point where Abraham and Sarah got to this place where they, 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 they came to this place where they decided there was no way God wouldn't do what he promised. Amen. There are people on the sound of my voice. You have reached this place with something that you're believing for that you've come to the place where you believe it's actually impossible for God not to do it. That's faith. Amen. Hallelujah. So a lot, a lot of people say, well, Abraham didn't consider his body. In, in reality, he, he didn't consider them to be a reason God wouldn't do what he promised. Amen. Faith doesn't ignore the problem. That's bad technique. Ignoring the problem. Right? We, we had one lady in the church and she was by faith believing for the bills of her household. She was over the finances of her house. And so the bills would come in she'd put them under the rug. God is my witness. They had a big rug in the entryway, and she'd stuff them under the rug. And she's walking on them. You know, God will give you the, the place every the sole of your foot touches. God will give it to you. Well, the lights got cut off. And her, her husband's like, 
How, why did our lights get cut off? Well, I've been believing God. What? Believe in God? You got to pay the bill. <laughs> now, now, you know, we think that and we think, well, I, I would never be that ludicrous. Well, I understand. But here, here's the thing. In the fight of faith, the temptation will come to ignore something. Don't do that. That's bad technique. If God tells you something, that'll aid your faith. Amen. I went to God more than once on occasions that He told me to be somewhere, told me to do something. And I went and told Him, now Lord, you told me to be here. You told me to be involved in this. Now I'm expecting you to meet the need because you told me to be here. If I'm missing it somewhere, show me. Right? So we see the promise, the challenge, and the technique. Abraham didn't weaken in faith because he was convinced. Fully persuaded that what? God would keep His word. Amen. God would keep His word. You know, I, 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 haven't said, and, and I haven't said much about it, and I won't say anything publicly because I don't feel like the Lord would have me to. But uh, uh, back in the, uh, the beginning of this year, the Lord said something to me about the shutdowns and things that went on in America. And, and you know, people were saying, well, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. Well, God spoke to me about that. And every time, I don't watch the news, but every time somebody mentions it or somebody says something, I just answer with what the Lord told me. And you know the very thing that God told me is what's happening. What, what, why is that important? Because that's what you've got to keep going back to. Amen. If I looked at you today and said, you're healed. You could think, well, pastor, my goodness, as bad as I feel, I'm healed. You are, you're healed. By the stripes of Jesus. Right? Amen. With Every challenge we face, listen to me, our techniques get more and more solid. God doesn't send the challenge, but every time you overcome something by faith, your technique is better for the next challenge. Amen. Every time you overcome something by faith, the next challenge, you're better equipped to face it. Notice Hebrews eleven seventeen. Am I helping you today? Yes. You know, the, the, the thing is, is that faith is an inexhaustible. And, and you know, there are things that, that people say that will, and, and you've got to pay attention to these things because it, it, it hinders your technique. I was uh, flipping through some of the, the Christian channels today. I usually don't watch anything but VTN, but uh, 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 we've got some other things on, on the Roku. And uh, uh, I flipped by this guy and, and I'll stop in every now and then to see what he's saying. And, and he was talking about the Word of God. Man, what he was saying sounded real good. He goes, you know, it's inexhaustible. It's eternal. It's inspired by the Word of God. And, uh, and uh, he said, uh, but there's, you know, there's no way you'll ever understand all of it. And then he made this statement. He said, you know, because God said in His Word that His ways were above our ways and His ways were past finding out. And we couldn't think His thoughts. Man, I wanted to send him my series, No More Limits. Actually, my take on Pastor Caldwell's series is called No More Limits. Amen. But, but, but the point is, 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 that's not what the Bible says. See, now how will that hurt your faith? Because you'll get to a place where you'll say, well, we just don't understand. Actually, you know, we're finite and we just don't understand and, and there's nothing we can do. That'll hurt your technique. There may be things that happen to us that we don't understand, but I don't ever want to say, I can't understand. I don't, I don't understand. The Lord said to me some years ago, three things you never want to say, I can't, I don't know, and I don't understand. I try not to say those things. Because He said, I can do all things through Christ. He said that Jesus was made unto me wisdom, right? And He said, I have the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Verse 17, Hebrews 11, verse 17. By faith, now notice we're talking about the fight of faith. By faith, the avenue that Abraham did this was by faith. 
when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, and Isaac shall your seed be called. Now notice, this word accounting in verse 19 is bringing verse 17 and 18 all together. It's telling us he did this based on verse 19. Accounting that God was able to raise him up from the dead, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. This is a challenge Abraham could only overcome by faith. He took his son to Mount Moriah, and the Bible says he did that with this in his mind. If i got to follow through with what my covenant partner is asking me to do, even if it involves my son's death, God will raise him from the dead. You see that? Because this is who the promise is coming through. If, if he's dead, he doesn't have any children. So if God asks me to do this, and he makes me follow, or asks me to follow through with it, then he's going to have to raise him from the dead. Oh, glory. His faith was so strong that he was convinced that if need be, God would raise Isaac from the dead in order to keep his promise. Let me help you this morning. God will do whatever needs to be done to keep His Word to you if you'll just stay convinced. If you'll just stay in faith. God will do whatever He's got to do to make His Word good to you. Oh, glory. The enemy launches attacks. He launches attacks mentally. He launches attacks physically to move us away from the Word, to move us out of faith. And that can be simplistic. That, that can be elementary because we, we've heard these things. But I go back to, if you're feeling pressure, stop. Don't ever do anything you're feeling pressure to do. Amen. Why? Because, listen, every, anything of God leads you. Doesn't push you and, and prod you. Pressure, right? I've never heard anybody come to me and say, oh, the Lord has me under so much pressure. But the devil will. I'm not making light of pressure, but God will lead you. Amen. That The devil puts pressure. God, God leads. And there's this knowing, I need to go this direction. I need to do this. If you feel pressure, don't move. Don't, don't move till the pressure lifts. How long will it take? That's irrelevant. Keep your technique good. Stay in faith. We've got an evidence of this from our father in the faith. He started getting pressure. I'm getting older. Sarah can't have children. We got to help God out. Here go Hagar. All the married women say crazy, crazy, crazy three times. Right? That, That is nuts. So what did he do? He got under pressure. We got to have a child. We got to have a child. And we are still reaping the benefits of that pressure today. The whole, the whole issue in the Middle East is Isaac and Ishmael clashing. So what was God's perfect will? That they wait and Sarah... Could it be that it would have been sped up if they wouldn't have got Ishmael in, in, the, in the mix? I think so. But what was, what was the, the, the basis of it? It was pressure. Pressure. God does not need us to help Him perform. He needs our faith. He needs us to believe Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Am I helping you? Feelings, pressure, circumstances, all used by the devil to move us out of faith. Just to, to move us out of faith. Amen. Now, I'm, I'm careful with some of the things I use because I don't know what people may be dealing with and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to uh, stigmatize any situation or anything, but I've talked to people. And, 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 and uh, uh, I've, I've actually had people tell me, oh, Pastor, I feel like I'm losing my mind. And you know, the first thing that comes up in your, in your heart is, I would never say that. Or you should never say that. But why are they saying that? Because they really feel that way. 
Oh, I feel depressed. And we think, oh, that's a bad confession. Well, that's just somebody that says what they feel and they really feel that way. See, faith doesn't say you don't feel that way. You see what I'm saying? Some people think faith is, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm happy, I don't feel bad. Well, that's, that's not faith. As a matter of fact, that, that person will go downhill a lot quicker. When you stop and you sit back and you go, no, wait a minute. I know, I know this is an attack of the devil. My mind should not be feeling this way. People say, well, I lay down at night and my mind just races. You better grab a hold of your mind. And, and, and again, it's not, a stig, uh, it's not a stigmatism. I'm not, I'm not, it's not an indictment. I'm just saying. You better grab a hold of that. That's not God. God doesn't cause your mind to rest. The Bible says that when you lay down on your, your bed with God, He will give His beloved slumber, and they will lay down and their, their sleep will be sweet. Is that right? And David wrote that when he was being hounded by Saul. He said, I will lay me down and I will rest and the Lord will sustain me. In other words, I'm not going to worry about this guy that wants my head. I'm going to sleep. The enemy wants you up worrying all night. He wants you up worrying about the situation. Are things going to change? What are we going to do? And he'll even let you pray. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, what are we going to do? Oh, God, I need an answer. Oh, God, I need an answer. And you're moving farther away from your answer because you keep telling God, I need an answer, I need an answer, I need an answer. And it was all based on a feeling. God will give you a leading to pray, not a pressure. Hmm. Because I, I, I learned this years ago. Because a lot of times what people do is, is when they face a challenge, they just jump and want to pray or jump and want to confess. And very often they need to just stop and say, okay, Lord, what do I need to say here? Amen. Now, many of y'all have heard this, but I, I, I'll, I'll use it. It's the faith of my fathers. When, when uh, Pastor Caldwell and Miss Jeannie were in that automobile accident, he said he came to himself, and you remember the carnage that was there, right? Their shoes off, watch knocked off, seats broken, laying in the back seat, and a guy knocking on the window. Are y'all okay? Are y'all okay? And he said, I started to say, we're fine. And he said, the Holy Spirit said, be very careful how you answer. Right? And he said that he, what came up in his spirit was, we will be okay. We will be. Now, I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs why the Holy Spirit had him answer that way, but it taught me a lesson. They're, they're in, a, a, in a situation where it would seem like the very thing you need to be saying is rattling off your positive confession just as fast as you can. But you want to know why they came through that accident? Because they were strong in faith before they ever got in it. They were strong. Their technique was good before they ever got in the fight. Are you with me? Oh, hallelujah. What you're convinced of will make the difference. Look at Hebrews 10 and verse 35. <clears throat> Cast not therefore... Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. The word confidence is your courage, your boldness, your frankness in speech. And we're still talking about being convinced. What does frankness in speech have to do with this? You've got to be very direct in the fight of faith. Amen. Well, you're not going to make it. I will not die, I'll live. Right? Hallelujah. I am the healed of the Lord. Whatever, however you answer, it's great frankness in speech. Courage, boldness. Because the enemy sends trials to take your courage. To take your boldness. But if we stay convinced and not let, will not let our technique get sloppy, the reverse will happen. Uh, you don't have to go there, but Hebrews 11.30 says that by faith the walls of Jericho fell. By faith, that's how they fell, by faith. 
Right? Notice, not the ram's horns, not the shout, the faith. I've heard heard people go into great dissertations. Uh, It was the sonic vibrations of the ram's horn and the shouting of the Israelites that caused those walls that were thick enough for chariots to race around the top to begin to vibrate, and it really can be naturally explained. (laughs) It was their faith. It was walking one time a day for six days, and on the seventh day, marching seven. It was doing what God said. Right? Amen. So, but the Bible says, by faith. And the, 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 the uh, preposition by denotes the avenue, the channel, the conduit that something happened. So it was by faith. Amen. Now, this is important because I want you to see this. Joshua chapter 2. And I want you to see a couple things concerning this. Remember that the enemy is, he brings that challenge. And folks, listen, I'm, I'm, standing, before, I'm, I'm standing before you today preaching this and teaching this. I mean, the Lord's helped me obviously learn to walk by faith, live by faith. But, you know, the, the issue is I've lost in my life. You know, we, we've lost a child. We didn't know. We didn't know how. We didn't know how to stand against the attack of the enemy. So I'm. I'm not up here preaching this as somebody that that never had a deficit in my life. But but I've also learned something that that if I can look at, at the situation and figure out where did my technique get off, I can correct it the next time. Hallelujah. Now, my child is not in my past. They're in my future. Amen. But, 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 but the point is, you know, my, listen, I, I believed with everything in me for my dad to be healed. I believed for everything in me. I mean, I almost got mad at him. That's just a little transparent. I mean... I've watched him lay hands on blind people and see him healed. Seen him lay hands on people in wheelchairs and they get up. I mean, he laid hands on a guy that had a metal knee, had a total knee replacement, and the guy came back to the camp meeting the next night and said, I went back to the doctor and the metal's gone and it's all bone. Amen. But then the enemy attacked him. And he got tired. And he wanted to go home. I can't fault him. I mean, once you see Jesus, it's over. <laughs> like that one guy told Brother Copeland, you know, his wife, God had healed, healed her of cancer. And one day he was bringing her uh, breakfast in bed. And she had seen Jesus. You know, she had died and went to heaven and saw Jesus. And he was bringing breakfast in bed. And, and, and she just took his hand so sweetly and said, Now, honey, she said, you know, I love you, right? He said, yes, I know you love me. She said, uh, uh, well, I do. I love you. She said, uh, but I've seen Jesus. And I really just want to go on home. And the guy looked at Brother Copeland and said, Copeland, I'm not the ugliest man in the world and not the best looking man in the world, but here's what I can tell you. If they ever see Jesus, it's over. <laughs> right? I mean, and, 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 and you understand? So I'm, I'm telling you this, that, that there have been instances I, I prayed with all the faith I had. Amen. And I know a little about faith. I'm learning not as much as I'm going to know. But, but here's the point. I'm, I'm saying this to qualify what I'm, what I'm telling you. I'm not preaching from the standpoint of I've never lost and I've never had a deficit. I've faced challenges. Amen. And in every challenge, even the one that I seemingly, I, I didn't really lose because both those people are in heaven. The devil didn't win. Hallelujah. They might have went before they should have went, but he didn't win. But here's the point. What what I had to learn was that doesn't change what the Word says. My my dad called me about, uh, oh, 2 o'clock in the morning, I guess. And uh, he was, was, my my dad was suffering with congestive heart failure. And... uh, uh, he called me, and uh, he was very weak, very raspy voice. He said, son, I wanted to call you. And I said, okay. And uh, 
you know, kind of got the cobwebs out. And, and he said, uh, I've talked to the Lord. I said, okay. And he said, he tells me I can come home if I want to. And I said, well, Dad, what are you going to choose? Uh, do you want to go? And he said, yeah, son, I want to go. I said, all right, I'll release you. Now, for a split second, for a split second, I thought, man. But then it hit me. No, that's what he wants. That's what he wants. Hallelujah. And it'd be wrong of me to try to keep him here. So, amen. And, and, and I got off the phone, and, and uh, of course, a few hours later, they called me and said he had moved on to heaven. And I called pastor to talk to him, and it just so blessed me. It's the beauty of having a pastor in your life. I just, I called him, and I said, you know, he knew the situation. They were believing with me. And I said, well, Dad moved on to heaven. He said, glory to God. He's part of that great cloud of witnesses now. And now I'm preaching faith to you today, and my dad's cheering from the grandstands of heaven. Amen. Always called me Buster. I can hear him right now. Go get him, Buster. Go get him. Don't you call me Buster, but... Hallelujah. And Ron, that's what we said about Mary Ann. She's in that great cloud of witnesses today. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Right now, she's shouting about it. Others are shouting about it. Amen. Shouting about it. Why? Because, because what we're believing by faith, they are seeing the reality of. Glory to God. And they're telling us, as much as you know, you still don't know. You have no idea what the reality of it is. Glory be to God. So that's a little side journey. Just to say, I'm not telling you from the standpoint of somebody that has not had a deficit. But yet, I came to understand something. My faith still works. Amen. So Joshua chapter 2 and verse 9. And uh, this is when the spies went and they were talking to Rahab. And I want you to see something that it says in verse 11. Well, verse 9 and then verse 11. And she said to the men, I know the Lord's given you the land and that your terror has fallen upon us. All the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. They melt. Now keep in mind, how did they take this land? By faith. Faith will take the courage of your enemy. And I'll show you this in just a moment. Verse 11. And as soon as we heard these things, our heart melted. Neither did there remain more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now look at chapter 2 and verse 24. The spies came back to Joshua. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord's delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the land do faint because of us. They melt because of us. Chapter 5 and verse 1. And it came to pass when the kings of the Amorites that were on the side of Jordan westward and the kings of the Canaanites by the sea heard that the Lord dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over. Their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. The Living Bible says, paralyzed with fear. It also says concerning the other chapter, the other verse, everyone is terrified. If the word Israel is even mentioned, no one has any fight left in him. Now people say how that happened. Faith takes the courage of your enemy. They did this by faith. You know, I hear people, I've heard people teach about how the, the Canaanites were jeering from the walls of Jericho. The Bible doesn't say that. According to what we just read here, their hearts had melted. They had no fight left in them. Hallelujah. Now, why is this important? Faith takes the courage of his enemy. Think about this. When the enemy takes his best shot and you just stay in faith and keep your technique solid, it takes his courage. I mean, what do you do? Right? You know, Keith Moore, before uh, he became a, a minister, he, he uh, uh, was a combat fighter. Fought karate, combat. And uh, his dad got him involved in that when he was real little because he used to get beat up on the bus. And so he put him in karate. And he said, 
He said, you know, I had to learn. I had to learn you take a shot, it hurts. But if he said, if you take a shot and you wince and you double over, your opponent's going to go, uh-huh, got him. He said, so I had to learn. He said, I watched it work. He said, man, a guy hit me so hard in the mouth one time, he said, I could, I could, I could taste the dust. My teeth were grinding. And he said, I was, I, was, I was walking back to my corner and I was so tempted. I was so tempted to double over and just wince. And he said, I just turned around to the guy and smiled and winked. <laughs> and he said, I watched the guy just lose all courage. Because that was as hard as he could hit. Can I tell you this morning, you've been through some things, but you're still here. You took everything the enemy had to throw your way, and you're still here. He doesn't know what to do with you. Hallelujah. 1 John 5, 4, very familiar verse. Notice what it says. It says, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Faith is victory. Faith is victory. Amen. Hallelujah. In just a moment, uh, I want to minister to anyone who's sick, needs healing in your body. We're going to minister to you with a tangible healing anointing.